This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Text line is there for you, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. You guys can text in throughout the show, whatever is on your mind, responding to any of the conversation here. Coming up at 5 o'clock, Nick Baumgartner, the uh, senior writer and draft analyst for The Athletic, will join us at 5. We'll talk NFL draft with him and where he's got uh, Seahawks, Seahawks uh, potential players going, where where Huskies are going, where Michael Penix is going. It's I, I love this, the diversity in all these mock drafts. Again, we just saw Field Yates released his most recent mock draft, and he had the Seahawks taking Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Tight, How about that? Tight end. He, he is. You watch that kid play this year. He is freaking awesome. I don't think he's going to last that long. To sixteen, yeah, I think he's going to be like a top ten. But would you, if he were sitting there, would you be like, Don't you, "All right, see, this, this is, is our Kelsey, this is our Kittle, this is what's going to be so interesting this year"? Because if that did happen, you would know that that's the best player available. Because yeah, they really need a tight end. Well, no, you feel like they've got three. Yeah, so, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this how this draft goes and. Yeah, maybe that's one of the questions. Maybe we'll get into that with John, like what his his formula. Not asking him to give away any trade secrets, but you know, just how how do you approach uh, when you you have a player like that that's yeah. that's so good? Now, Brock Bowers may not be as good as I think he is because I just watched him all year at, at Georgia and he was fantastic, just a really good player. But you know, if, if you don't need a tight end, I guess what you do is like you know Moyer. We were talking about said it before trade back. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. think that the the right person is is there, so and I think I think he's very disciplined that way. But that'll be a good question to and some of the stuff that we'll get to get a chance to talk to uh, to John Schneider about over the next what is it ten twelve weeks something like yeah. that. Well, it starts tomorrow. In case you missed that yeah. bit of news, uh, the John Schneider Show starts tomorrow. So Dave and I will be broadcasting live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center, and it'll be the first edition of the John Schneider Show all the way up until April twenty fifth, the first round of the NFL draft. And we will talk to him that night as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good to talk to John. Meanwhile, uh, we do this each and every week, talk about some of the conversations going on on the other shows. We call it the best of the rest. We know you love listening to us, but there are great discussions happening all over our station. I need more Jake Bobo. I need more of them. Because Jake Bobo is objectively fun to say. Yeah, I'm just not good at that. Let's turn it down. It's time for the best of the rest. How dare you? <laughs> best of the rest. Taking a listen to some of the opinions of uh, Bump and Stacy, Brock and Salk on different topics and uh, responding accordingly. By the way, they, they mentioned Jake Bobo there. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the little game that Lefko and I were playing, but I pulled up a, a picture of Jake Bobo and then one of Bryce Miller, and we went back and forth and back and forth. And the more you do it, kind of look alike. <laughs> I didn't. I, I wasn't privy to that game. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was very entertaining. Who, who's who's the more handsome fellow? Uh, I'm going to go with Jake Bobo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I don't think they discussed any of that in these conversations here, but we could get back to that if you want. Just like uh, the, the picture that you and I, we have our new picture up there. Oh, that's right. And you asked that same question. It's me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, uh, yeah, it is a brand spanking new picture they put up there. If you missed that on the yes. podcast page, you can check that out at seattlesports.com. But uh, let's see. Brock and Salk uh, yesterday 
were talking about why, in their opinion, the Seahawks might need to trade DK Metcalf. I just don't like where their resources are. But for the most part, this team is heavily invested on the outside, at corner, at receiver. And so if I, if I look at the Seahawks and say, all right, if they want to make a change, if they want to try to build this roster differently, how do you go about doing that with the number 16 pick in the draft, no second round pick, and then a couple of third rounders? And oh, by the way, you have this looming question of, do you want to try to get a quarterback? When you start thinking through and say, all right, how are you going to find a way to get better? How are you going to find a way to change? You, you don't do it by just giving up nothing. Mm -hmm. This is an argument that is somewhat akin to the trade Felix argument. Yep. But if you really do want to try to make a change in who you are, DK Metcalf is probably the asset you have that would bring back the most and allow you to change your lineup or your roster construction. Golly, when you look at it, he, how many other valuable trade chips do you have? Essentially none. I mean, I, I, there, a Woolen would be a valuable guy, but he's really, really young, and you get him, and you want him to bounce back anyway, and mm -hmm. he's much more valuable to you than he would be anybody else. You can start to turn this team into something that resembles what Mike McDonald says he wants. It's a suggestion. It's one way to change a, a roster that I think is constructed backwards. Mm. It's not the only way. There's plenty of other ways to do it. So, Dave, when you're looking at this team and you're seeing the resources that they've spent in these areas, how do you how do, how do you square that? Because if you were to trade DK, who are your receivers? You got JSN, who we like. We like his potential young guy. You got Tyler Lockett, who's getting toward the end of his career. I don't think by any stretch he's finished, right. but he's getting toward the end of his career. You got Jake Bobo. As we talk, you're taking away your bet. Yeah, and the one the one part I will agree, he's he's probably the most attractive trade piece you have. Yeah, on that team. I think that's fair. I, I just, but outside of that, I disagree. Yeah. I'm like Jackie Chow's right now, shocked and chagrined, mortified and <laughs> stupefied, as a little tribute to our, our guy in Seinfeld. That, no, 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 not DK Metcalf. He is a special player, man. I and I just that was one of my biggest gripes last year about the the offense was that. They didn't throw the ball up to him enough. Mm -hmm. So to, to me, you get him man-to-man -man coverage. I'll take him every time because, number one, and we saw this happen a number of times. I remember that when we were playing at San Francisco, we're way up in that booth that feels like you're in outer space, but I'm looking down on the field and going, he's man-to-man. -man. There's nobody over the top. Chuck it up to him, and then they, they missed it a couple of times, and then finally they get it going, and he gets a penalty, or he draws a penalty, I should say. So... Yeah, I mean, I just think that guy was uh, a totally underused weapon. The other thing is, I get that he, I was listening to Bump today, and he was saying this, you know, you're supposed to go out there and just be this animal on the field, and then, you know, then you're supposed to all of a sudden just shut it off in certain situations. I mean, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. He's got it. Certainly, he has to work on that. And I'm talking about DK's sort of blow-ups every once in a while. And he's part of, you know, remember in the San Francisco game, which I still don't think he really did anything that was that bad. Uh, not as bad as what the 49ers were doing. But I think a lot Warner of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are, they don't like that. They think he's spoiled. I mean, he is one of those very polarizing uh, figures on the team where I'll hear from people that I either absolutely love him, like 
My wife, I was reading some criticism of of DK, and she's like, "That's ridiculous. He's like the best player on the team. I love DK." <laughs> so, and then you know, if you talk to you know family members or whatever, a lot of people are out there, you know, neighbors like, what, "What's wrong with that guy? He's you know, he's a head case. What's what's the problem with him? He's passionate, man. I I love that about him. The other thing is, right after the game, he's the nicest guy in the world. I don't know. Once I saw him catch that slant and go, what was it, seventy yards, and he ran what twenty two and a half. 23 miles per hour. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this guy is special. Absolutely special. So, no, I, DK to me is don't touch. Leave yeah. him alone. You've never had a receiver like him in the history of this organization. And yeah, maybe Sidney Rice. But that size and speed. Was he that tall? I mean, I guess he Sydney's certainly wasn't that I, big. Yeah. He wasn't that, and I, he, he's, he's not like that fast. End. He wasn't DK, maybe. Yeah, the fastest receiver you've ever had, maybe him and Galloway. I'm not sure, but well, he came in like like ninth or something in the uh, Olympic trials. Oh, that one, that yeah. yeah, he's like one of the he's he's like one of the 15 or 20 fastest men in the United States. Yeah, I, I don't. I again, I get what Salk is saying that he's the most attractive trade piece. He is, but he's he's a rarity when it comes to that position. He's certainly certainly a rarity when it comes to this organization having a player like that at that position and to me you don't really have an answer for his absence you want whether you have Geno whether you draft a rookie quarterback whether you sign somebody don't you want that weapon for them you don't have Travis Kelsey you don't have George Kittle so he's he's your version of that Mm -hmm. that's what he is and I'm not saying he's as good or productive because the the, you know they're, they're used differently certainly but yeah I just I don't that one doesn't make a ton of sense to me and I didn't quite understand what Salk was saying. They built it backwards. I'm not. I'm not really sure what he meant by that. That they built, they constructed this roster backwards. Well, because is it because you got a receiver first and then your your quarterback I, later? Maybe I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. I don't. I don't really know. Either way, it's outrageous, <laughs> egregious, preposterous. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would I would be really I would be shocked. First of all, I think they really value him. And and really, what we're talking about is we're talking about Schneider, right? He, I think he really values him. I mean, we don't really know what these coaches are going to think after, until they've been around him for a while. But I know that Pete loved him, that's for sure. Uh, well, Bump and Stacy were were talking about this. I guess Salk wrote a piece on it, you know, making his case for why trading DK should be something worth considering. And they were talking about talking about having money invested in the wrong places. Of the five highest paid positions. One is quarterback, which is going to be the case for any team with a veteran quarterback, pretty much. Um, And then you've got two safeties, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, and two wide receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And that's fine, but are you comfortable having that much money invested in skill positions and not up front, in the trenches? But should the Seahawks be investing their money in different places? That's a strategy. Um, and it's one that could possibly work. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to knock it. Um, I wouldn't do it because I think that you got to keep a guy like DK. DK don't grow on trees, right? A guy like DK does not grow on trees. And now I'm looking at how Kansas City uh, roster is constructed. Here's the thing, though, with Kansas City. They arguably have the best quarterback of all time. They arguably have the best tight end of all time. To equal a Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you need a Geno, a Lockett, and a DK and throw something else in there to compete with just their capabilities and their consistency. But 
Um, you do look at the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and, man, they've invested in that offensive line. The way that I look at it, similarly, that, um, you know, you really have to add a huge asterisk to this and say, well, Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. How much of a factor is he when you're trying to analyze how a team is built, right? But I think that for me, I wouldn't trade DK, but what I like about Salk's point and about the point about roster construction is getting as much a return as possible from your highest investments. Yeah, I don't. You want as as much of a return on anybody you're paying the most money to. That's that's true of any position. If it's your quarterback making the bulk of the money, you're hoping he's playing up to that standard, mm-hmm. right? And if it's your safety, I hope your safety is playing up to that standard. So, I agree with her. That should be any any player that's being paid an exorbitant amount of money. As far as where they're investing their money, does that feel like that's that's punitive? That that's hurt them? That they should have invested more? In the trenches, perhaps. Now, they've made attempts in, in bringing in Draymond Jones and bringing in Jaron Reed and, and trying to find them, but they brought in Nuosu and, the, you know, I know he's an edge guy, but you've, you've they've tried to address the shortcomings. They trade for Leonard Williams. They give up a second-round pick uh, to bring him here, and hopefully they can re-sign him. Um, your, your line you drafted, you spent draft capital. You spent a top-10 pick on Charles Cross. You spent a pick on Abe Lucas. You spent a pick on Oluwatimi. So you've... You've invested draft capital in those spots. Well, still remains to be seen whether they pay off or not, ultimately. But what would you have them do differently, Dave, versus what they've done? Uh, I mean, I guess you could always make the the case of investing more in offensive line. You know, and I'm just trying to (laughs) – I was trying to think – that offensive line with Walter Jones, just remember – you remember in the 2000 – you you weren't in town, I don't think, but – it was 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. that sort of era of football where they had Hutch and Walter Jones and Robbie Tobeck and Chris Gray, and I'm blanking on the right tackle. Um, was it Blackshear? No, was it, uh, I think he was an interior guy, but um, text it in. 866-979-3776, Mac and Jack's text line. I'm just blanking on it, but uh, but really good player. You know, he, he was... Is, I think kind of underrated just because Walt was on the other side, but and Hutch, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I remember, I remember one time they had they could not pick up a third down. They ran behind Hutch and Walter Jones with a lead blocker in Max Strong and Sean Alexander carrying the ball, and I'm like, this is automatic. Yeah. And they actually got they got stuffed, and I was shocked because that was just something that you you just came to, and like Walter Jones, you just. He wasn't going to give up a sack. Yeah. And I remember somebody one time there there was, I think he gave up a couple of sacks in a game. I think it was against the Cowboys. And then um, somebody in the press conference the next week asked Mike Holmgren if maybe Walter's kind of on the decline. And Mike Holmgren, like, just about, you know, stared a, a hole through the guys. Like, have you seen him play? <laughs> have you seen Walter Jones play? Yeah. So anyway, that. That to me is, you know, I was just kind of daydreaming, you know, while he was, uh, Bump was kind of going through the the whole part about offensive line. I'm like, yeah, you know, that that might be maybe well, who, the next. Where, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Where would they invest? Because you drafted a top 10, you spent yeah. a top 10 pick on your left tackle. So that's, right. that doesn't, at this particular moment, require a big investment financially. Yeah. Same with your right tackle. He's a draft pick on his rookie contract. That's, you're not going to spend a bunch of money. You, you brought in a free agent center. You didn't go out and get the best center out there. You're developing, presumably, Oluwatimi, who you spent draft capital on. Yeah. Your guards, is a. you had another one. Phil Haynes was a veteran who was constantly hurt. Bradford got thrown in the fire. That's more draft capital. He's not going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Damian Lewis is still on his, his, contra- his initial contract. So 
the opportunity to, I guess, spend in that spot is doesn't really exist outside of center at this point, does it? Considering well, the young guys and the contracts they're on. Yeah, but I mean, you, you kind of have a big question mark with Abraham Lucas, right? You know, with with his knee and everything. But, but yeah, I mean, I think it just in not in the immediate future, but I just think in the long term to get to the point where you're kind of like Kansas City or Dallas, and the offensive line is just, you know. This is the time to, to obviously start investing in offensive line, and maybe three, four years from now you have just this solid rock offensive line. It just and I know you're a big fan of the offensive line. Yes, I am. <laughs> I remember you know I'm a fan was, of good offensive line play. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and you 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 see how important it is. And yet, you know, it is kind of hard to evaluate whether guys are, you know, playing well or not sometimes it's the scheme or sometimes mm-hmm. it's like yeah that's not my guy just like we heard the controversy with the with the Super Bowl but yeah having that as as your solid I mean and then you know Matt Hasselbeck comes from that mm-hmm. and you could argue that that offensive line kind of made his career yeah yeah it, it listen if you got a rock solid offensive line it makes everything else look better it can make yeah. an average quarterback look good an average running back look good what have you it, it just it starts there and it all trickles down in a good way right versus well, I, when it falls apart there yes. it all trickles down in a bad way well and like i was saying that you know you get to a point like it was kind of that way with quandre Diggs when he would miss a tackle or when yeah. tyler lockett would drop a pass you're like oh wow you notice it you yeah. know i noticed when they couldn't pick up a third and two because they were just so solid and i i, I feel like that's you know one area maybe that they they might get get back to uh, one more here. This is from uh, Brock and Salk on Monday, and they are talking about how they feel with a coaching staff that has so many guys that are in first-time roles. What's the level of nervousness on how much youth and inexperience you have now with a first-time coach, first-time offensive coordinator, first-time defensive coordinator, and first-time professional uh, uh, special teams coordinator? Yep, there will be a learning curve to climb. There will be. But I think we'll hear from Mike McDonald that the growth mindset, that uh, the chasing the, the edges, some of these, some of these um, you know, terms philosophically that are important to him were more important than experience and time on task and age on the job. Uh, I, I said to you, I would have been very nervous hiring somebody that had never called plays before. Mm-hmm. I don't feel quite as nervous with Ryan Grubb because he's done it for the last decade. Grubb is an O-line guy and has an O-line background in the relationship with Scott Huff, who he's also going to bring along. Mm-hmm. There's a little good cop, bad cop that they have had at, you know, certainly the last couple of years of Washington. He does bring, again, a line of scrimmage. That's his background, man. That is his baby. And I think there's an enormous advantage when you want to talk about chasing edges. I think that gives you an edge over a guy that was just a QB or a receiver or maybe comes out a little bit differently. This guy comes out of it understanding, which to me was the theme of the Super Bowl last night. Big people matter. Mm. Big people matter. Big people matter, Dave. I think he came up with a new saying, climbing that learning curve. (laughs) (laughs) That's a learning curve that you're going to have to climb. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't heard that one. I can see that. Yeah. A little bit. It's not way off. (laughs) (laughs) It's a unique spin on it. Hadn't heard that. But what do you you – I, I do you have comfort in in the idea that, that all these guys are first timers? Do you does it uh, does it give you 
pause or do you feel like no basically what Brock said there like yeah okay this guy's called plays and he's he's yeah. an old line guy and he's bringing his old line guy it gives me pause a little bit. I don't yeah. know if you guys talked about this yesterday or not, but you know we talked about what are the expectations of you know for the Seahawks mm-hmm. in the immediate future, and you know when when they were really down and they lost Russ and all that, I said nine and eight, but I said because of Pete and John. Yeah. Well, now it's John who I I trust, but we don't really know what what it's going to be like with. Um, you know, with Mike McDonald at the helm and if everybody's going to gel and everything in the first year. So for that reason, I would not be surprised to see the Seahawks maybe take a step back. So does it concern me? No, I don't. It doesn't concern me that they'll get it at some point. But I just think, you know, these guys getting along and, you know, kind of getting to know each other as far as, you know, football and there's going to be things. And that's the thing. Everything is going to be new for these guys, not like, you know, stretching and things like that because, you know, you got your trainers and your, your uh, you know, strength coaches guys that are going to, you know, lead all that stuff. But like how you practice, you know, how you line up, the um, the different vernacular of, you know, coach speak, things like that, getting used to that. So all those things coming together and then guys that haven't worked together before, I think it's going to – it's reasonable to see that that could be a little bit of a decline. That like you could say – I could see them maybe taking a step back. Yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because and we we don't have a ton of time here. We should we can get into this later. But we did touch on that yesterday, and 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 Lefko is more in your your way of thinking. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you my rationale, and we'll see if we agree at all. But uh, yeah, we're I, I, we're both just kind of pulling it out of our tailpipes. Bob, well, yeah, because we don't know. We don't really know. We don't know what to expect yeah. from any of these guys. Yeah. Uh, hey, a reminder: the John Schneider Show begins tomorrow. 4 p.m. Make sure you tune in. We will be live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. We're going to be there every Thursday starting tomorrow until the NFL draft, including our interview with John the night of the first round of the draft. That's on April 25th. So you'll be able to hear our conversations with John every Thursday starting tomorrow. Coming up, we are fully into mock draft season and we'll weigh in on some of the potential options for the Seahawks coming up. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We are in full mock draft mode. They're all over the place. You can find them everywhere. Everybody's got a version 1.0, 1.5, 2.0. I love that you got guys that are doing so many versions of it. That's a lot of work. I, you know, that the one thing is, I mean, these guys. And we'll talk to when we talk to Nick Baumgartner. I mean, sounds like he does a lot of his own work, you know. Because I I asked about resources, you know, or sources that uh, that you talk to, and he's like, "No, I don't. I I do my own work. I do yeah. my own homework." So, um, but yeah, that it's a lot of work. And I always like asking guys like Ryan Wilson, remember the CBS guy that we have every year. So when you start in next year's mock draft. You know, for like right after the the draft, these guys work their tails off on it. Well, some of those come out immediately following the conclusion of the draft. That's yeah. that's become part of the, they have it ready. the tradition. Like, all right, here's the way too early 2025 NFL draft. You know, right. so I don't often pay attention to those or even look at them. So I'm not sure how close they ever come. But uh, he's got his draft for the athletic. He did a three-round mock draft. And we will speak to Nick at uh, 5 o'clock. So you'll hear that conversation. But... Uh, staying at 16, which is where the Seahawks are with their first pick. He has them taking an edge rusher out of Florida State, Jared Verse. 
And then he wrote, uh, Seattle has needs along the offensive interior and might be in a position to trade back, but Mike McDonald could get his regime started with an athletic, explosive three-down edge like Verse, who likely would would have been a first-rounder last year had he declared, though pressure packages are a big part of McDonald's system, so are twitchy edge defenders, Dave. Ah, twitchy. Who, who can rush, cover, and stop the run. Yeah, I don't know uh, if he fits in or not with the defense that they're going to be running. I was just looking at his numbers. I mean, he played two years. He's listed as his sophomore and his junior year, so I don't know what happened to freshman. I guess he's entering the draft. But if you look in, in those two seasons, 25 games that he played, 89 tackles, uh, 29 and a half tackles for loss in two seasons, 18 sacks, nine, nine a year. And then, you know, he's got fumble recoveries, uh, things like that. But what's he? Do you have a size there? His measurables? Yes. Uh, he No, I don't, actually. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if he's like maybe a tweener, and we'll see if that's the kind of guy And almost, you know, he sounded like in, in Baumgartner's uh, review of him that he was talking about dropping him, you know, into into space. So I'm not sure if he's that kind of guy. He's listed as a defensive lineman. But yeah. anyway, I, I don't, you know, who knows? And I think, I feel like if, if they get to that point and, you know, he's the best available you know, then then they take him, but you never know. Maybe uh, it's Brock Bowers. Yeah, you never know. I I loved hearing that. I mean, not <laughs> like that's going to happen or anything, but that was Field Yates, by the way, in his yeah. most recent mock draft. But yeah. what about this one? There was so there's Field Yates. Just threw that out there. He he's has has the Seahawks taking Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia, with their first pick at 16. Nick Baumgartner, who we will speak with at 5 p.m. from The Athletic, has them going with an edge rusher out of Florida State, Jared Verse. And then you look at CBS Sports. uh, They've got number 16, Jackson Powers Johnson, an O-lineman out of Oregon. And they say, one of the darlings of the Senior Bowl, Powers Johnson is perhaps the best interior blocker in the entire draft. At 6'3", 320, he could play guard or center for the Seahawks team that is filled with youth up front. New offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, formerly at Washington, is certainly familiar with Power Johnson's handiwork. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I'm not so sure that he was watching a lot of uh, their their center, but yeah, I mean, he's got a feel for it for sure. And you know that that's kind of what we were talking about. I like I like that move, but I feel like Brock Bowers would be the one that that'd be the sexy pick. Yeah, that would be the <laughs> one where it's like, okay, this is definitely best player available because they don't really need, you know. And you see the the value of the tight ends. I mean, I, part of why San Francisco. I think lost the the Super Bowl. They didn't get their tight end involved. Kittle. Two catches, four yards. Yeah. So and then you, you saw on the other side, in the first half they weren't getting Kelsey involved, and then the second half what he explode for like ninety nine plus yard, almost a hundred yards, yeah. nine catches on ten targets. Yeah. So this, you know, tight end very uh, very important position. So I could definitely be excited about that. But um, but hey, if they start to to build. Their offensive line by I don't think anybody thinks it's a, that's not a that's the opposite of sexy pick right it is, the you trenches take, aren't sexy you take the guard especially a guard I yeah. mean offensive tackle okay but well, if you go guard or defensive tackle you're going okay yeah you know an interior def- either side of the ball which they they need these are needs right uh, I would argue the defense is still the bigger need because that's the side of the ball that certainly struggled the most last year um, we don't know the, you, you hope they're going to get big cat back but we don't know. Um, Jaron Reed's still there. He signed a two-year deal, so he's still there. Uh, but you still, you, you were. It was problematic 
(laughs) The defense was problematic. So if you're looking at which side of the ball is most pressing, it's defense. And if they went with a defensive tackle, an interior guy, we'd be going, all right, it's not the well-known flashy skill player, you know, the, the skill position guy that everybody knows, or it's not Bowers. But it's necessary, and it's it it could go a long way, certainly, into fixing what ailed them last year, which was basically everything on defense. Yeah. By the way, um, you know, I think with a lot of these mock drafts, they they'll do the first three rounds, and people will see the Seahawks don't have a second round mm-hmm. pick, and that's because of Leonard Williams well, until they trade DK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because what would you get back for DK? I I don't even know. Would you get a first rounder? Is no that way. maybe not? I don't I really ever see that. I don't think you get anything that would make it worth the trade. Yeah. I, I think he's got much more value to you than a a potential of a second round pick. Well, is is Ru- Russ's trade like the biggest haul ever? I mean, I'm not talk- well, no, even think- talking about the quality of picks, but I'm like. The number of picks? No. I mean, I think it didn't did trade his whole draft for Ricky Williams, and then you Williams. had the Herschel Walker trade. I think those are two of the Yeah, but if recent, recently, you know, I, and again, I just, my point being that unless it's a, a quarterback who's a franchise quarterback, you don't, you're always disappointed when you trade for a draft choice. Yeah. Yeah. So do you look at this, and I think you and I, you and I agree that the most pressing position group on the entire team is linebacker. Because of the uncertainty. you got three free agents there. Your three starters are free agents. Devin Bush, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, all free agents. We have no idea what their plans are, if they're going to bring back one of them, none of them, two of them. I, who knows? Uh, but that, as it sits right now, feels like the most tenuous spot because there's zero certainty outside of Radigan and Belor, who, frankly, aren't your starters, shouldn't be your starters. Um, so that if they – would you look at linebacker as the most pressing need, or would you just say anything on the defensive side is most pressing? How would you you view 16? Well, I, I'm sorry to, to put it this way, but also, you know, you're going to figure in free agency. And, you know, where if there's nobody that you have that John Schneider, and we'll find this out fairly quickly, I don't know the number, but, like, typically he'll say there's, like, 14 first-round picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, and just because it's in the first round doesn't mean. But if he if there's no linebackers that he would take, then he's going to go the free agency route and, yeah. and try to try to address that that way. So I think – but, I, yeah, I haven't seen any, like, second-level linebackers that, you know, are, are drafted as far as these mock drafts go mm-hmm. that are, are listed very high. Yeah, it's – so then, then if it's not linebacker, just talking about draft, if we're what they're going to use, what they're going to spend sixteen on, would you go trenches next? Yeah. To so me. either side, you'd be happy whether it's a guard or a defensive tackle. Yeah. Well, I would prefer a guard. You know, I would in place honestly, of instead of a, a defensive lineman. You said no, no, one no. of those two. You're drafting a guard to take whose spot? Oh, either one. <laughs> Damian Lewis. Well, Bradford, um, we haven't. I mean, he's. Yeah, I mean Bradford still kind of we're going to see didn't and, play a full season. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think he looks good, but Haynes got hurt. I don't really don't have a lot of faith in in Damian Lewis. Um, you know, ever since he he got drafted, I mean it was it was a great rookie year. He just hasn't really hasn't really improved the way I thought he would be. But yeah, I just don't I don't think you can go too wrong um as far as drafting those inside guys. And again, I was talking about the scenario of where you're like Dallas, you know, where you or the Chiefs where you have an offensive line that you just know you can you can count on them. 
Yeah. All right, coming up, uh, Travis Kelsey goes into more detail about how the now infamous sideline bump of Andy Reid went down, and we'll hear all about that and other things going on when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Well, as we've heard all season, uh, Travis and Jason Kelsey, they come out with a new episode of their podcast every Wednesday. So this one certainly focused a lot on the Super Bowl and the two of them kind of broke down. And uh, a couple days later, Travis kind of reenacted and, you know, not in the heat of the moment, talked about what happened with Andy Reid. Broadcast showed you having a heated exchange with Coach Reid. <laughs> so heated. Yeah, where it looks like uh, you caught Big Red off guard a little bit. As he said, I gave him, I got him, I got him with a cheap shot. People are all over this, and I—I I mean, I get it. I can't. Yeah, you—you went—you went—you crossed the line. I think we can I, both I, agree. I, I can't—I can't—I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. When he when he stumbled, I was just like, oh, I'm a passionate guy. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I love to play for him. How much I love to be, you know, a product of his coaching career i'm not playing for anybody else but big red if he calls it quits this year i'm I'm out there with him man i talked to coach reed about it today and we kind of chuckled about it unfortunately sometimes my passion comes out where it looks like it's negativity but um, i'm I'm grateful that he knows that it's all because i want i want to win this thing he knows with him more than anything yeah he we talked about this yesterday that that you know the, the way they handled it, I thought was great. And, and that you and Moyer as well have said, or Schlereth, excuse me, yesterday, we talked to him about it. He talked about, I think he's told the story with us before where he took his helmet and he says he basically hit his offensive line coach in the chest and said, if you think you can block him, go ahead and give it a try. And he basically says, I knocked the wind out of him with my helmet. And that in, in the end, these are things that happen quite often, but most often they're not on camera. This one was in the biggest game of the year. So people had a, you know, big reaction to it in the moment, but yeah, it sounds like no big deal. Andy Reid, even after the game, was like, "No, that's you know, everybody squashed it. Like this is, this is nothing." Well, and I, I heard this more portrayed like Jason, you know, telling his younger brother, you know, you you can't do that. Yeah. Well, he, he'd already sort of admitted to it, but yeah, and so uh, they had a talk. I like that he they both call him Big Red. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you remember Kelsey had him as a head coach, right? I think he for maybe a year or two in so, Philly. Yeah, yeah, in Philadelphia. But um, yeah, I, I love the way. Actually, the way that Andy Reid handled it is what I love the most. He didn't really react. He didn't react like if if somebody's freaking out, the last thing you want to do is freak out back to them, right? Yeah. I had a I coached with a guy, the head coach. And we were getting a bunch of penalties, and it was like a heated rivalry game. So he goes out to the middle of the field and just, you guys need to calm down. It just <laughs> freaks out. And I'm like, meanwhile, you're exhibiting the behavior that we're trying to uh, avoid them away from. Yeah. Everybody relax. <laughs> That's awesome. Sweeping the dial. Well, yesterday on NFL Live, Dan Graziano kind of broke down whether the hire of Ryan Grubb makes it more likely that the Seahawks would uh, draft Michael Penix. A lot of people are going to want to connect those dots between Grubb, the new uh, offensive coordinator there, and Penix, who he coached in college. And and, and that maybe that's that's part of their thinking. But, you know, they could also be in a situation where they would trade up from 16 
if they were looking to draft a quarterback. Remember, they did a lot of work on the quarterbacks in last year's draft. They went out to the pro days and saw and talked to Stroud and Young and Anthony Richardson. They were picking five last year because they had that Broncos pick from the Russell Wilson trade. They didn't have taken one. All those guys were taken before they picked. You know that Seattle is looking around with the idea that at some point they're going to need to find their long-term solution at that position. And Geno Smith, as well as he's played for them, 33 years old, it's possible they just don't see him as that. Remember all those pictures they were they would uh, tweet out with them with that quarterback from last year, C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, and they're all mm, it was yeah, it yeah. was Pete and John and their whole group. They they took pictures with all of those quarterbacks and posted them. So everybody's like, they like Richardson. They're going to move up to get Stroud. They're going to get Bryce Young. They're going to get they didn't go with any of them. They went with Witherspoon. But that was that was kind of funny last year how they they had that out there and it got everybody speculating and talking. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was kind of funny. I think that was it was obviously planned. They're trying to get some kind of a. Uh, Reaction, but you know, I don't know. With with having Grub there, I mean, uh, keeping it positive, yeah. I mean, he's probably going to be able to tell them, "Hey, this guy can do more than you think," and this and that. But also, he knows all of his negative things too. Yeah. You know, so let's like well, we say when you go somewhere new, you whether it's free agency, you go to a new team, some of the stuff that you you know and that are on the the bad part of your your checklist, they don't. They don't really have that. I mean, it's it's really something that's more positive, and Grub might have some of the things like, eh, well, he tends to do this. So I don't know if that would actually help him or hurt him. Sweeping the dial. Justin Fields, uh, that was a name that was thrown out there yesterday, talking about potential other options for Geno Smith. Well, he is, you know, under contract. So Field Yates this morning on ESPN Radio uh, kind of broke down what he thought the draft trade compensation would be if you have to give up some picks for Justin Fields. I don't think a first-round pick is in play for Justin Fields, but if I'm Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, I want at least a second-round pick and perhaps a little extra goodies to make this deal worthwhile for the franchise. If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I own number 50, the 50th pick overall in the draft. I'm calling Ryan Poles. I'm saying pick 50 and something else to get this deal done with the Chicago Bears to make Justin Fields the new centerpiece of this Steelers offense and give you a player at quarterback that a team actually fears for the first time since Ben Roethlisberger was under center in Pittsburgh a few seasons ago. I know we don't watch a lot of Bears football, but Justin Fields' name is coming up a lot. It's because they have the, they're going to take Caleb Williams with their number one overall pick, so he now becomes expendable, and who, who wants him? Is, yeah, I d- I just haven't seen it from him. I, I don't. Mean, yeah. He's not Trey Lance, but he is sort of approaching that. I mean, look, the guy can run. I mean, maybe a position change for him. I don't know. But it just, yeah, you're right. It's because of the, they have the first pick. But I don't know. It just some of the way that Justin Fields has been described and people talking about, you know, what would be you would get in exchange. I'm like, really? I, I don't. I don't quite get I get the potential. I get looking at him going, hey, man, this is a guy who runs really well. He's 24 years old. He's going to be 25 next month. Uh, so still a, got the bulk of his career in front of him, certainly. Uh, maybe the system in, in Chicago wasn't great for him. I don't know. But just looking at the moments we've watched him and then looking at his overall numbers, his first year he completed under 60%, 58.9. Second year, 60.4. Last year, 61.4. He's... Last year, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Year before that, 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. First year, seven touchdowns, 10 picks. 
I mean, I don't. He hasn't done anything outside of his running ability that's really, you know, in his second year, he ran for over a thousand yards. So he's dangerous that way. But as a quarterback throwing the ball, I just I haven't seen that thing that says, yeah, I'd give up this many draft pick. Get him in here. He's he's the solution. I'm kind of rooting for the Bears to get their guy so that they can have somebody that they can put on the top of the list as far as quarterbacks. <laughs> of all the quarterbacks they've franchise. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of rooting for them. Because right now, who is it? Their leading passer? Is it like Tom Zach? Or, it was uh, Tom Zach. They've had, but they, they got to the Super Bowl with McMahon and Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman. He, that was the, he was the quarterback uh, against the uh, Colts. That was the Prince. That was in Miami yeah. when it was pouring rain. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. They, 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 Sid Luckman, Dave, it's Sid Luckman. It's so weird. <laughs> it really is that they, they haven't had anybody. I mean, you look at the Seahawks who have been along around a lot less time yeah. and we've had Matt Hasselbeck, Dave Craig, Jim Russell Zorn, Wilson, Russell Wilson. Zorn. Yeah. It's, I don't know them and the, and the uh, Browns, I feel like have just churned through quarterbacks. Yeah. Churned through them. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Sweeping the dial is powered by Seattle University men's basketball. Coming up, there's an intriguing off the radar name for the Seahawks in the draft. We'll talk about that with Nick Baumgartner of The Athletic. He's going to join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.